Joel and Travis in the crypto flow. Listen in now, cause it's time for the show. Gonna break it all down, cause you need to know. And right now, Travis, it's your turn, bro. We got Rachel Wolf, since so she's writing all the stuff. Working for Forbes, you know that ain't too rough. Covering crypto and breaking it down. It's episode 104 with the Crypto Clowns. Yo, it's the Bad Crypto Podcast, boy. Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast. We are not rapping advisors. <laughs> we are not. I'm not even really a rap rapping listener much. I, I don't. I don't even use Saran Wrap. I mean, you know, just this whole rap thing. I, but, did, uh, I did have a wrap around my sandwich recently. Oh yeah, tortilla. Mm-hmm. It was a tortilla wrap. Good. It was delicious. It was. It was turkey. Turkey and pesto. You're a turkey and pesto. And we're the Blockchain Blockheads, and welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, Googling stuff so you don't have to, and rapping so that you are completely offended by the genre and never want to listen to it again, and uh, proof that once you go bad, um, you are sad. You're sad, yes. We are uh, ruining genres of music for uh, everyone um, without remorse. Yeah, and uh, apparently we're doing it in over 190 countries, and we're glad that you guys are here. We've got a great show for you today, and we want to make sure that you're taking notes, you know, as you hear something in the show that you think is, wow, that was really profound, which is more likely to come from our guests than from us, or you think is super funny or whatever, if you'll make note of that quote, and am I rapping again? Make note of the quote, because it'll float a boat, uh, and... <laughs> <laughs> and make a post in the um, the episode in the Bad Crypto Mastermind because every time we post an episode, we say, here's the latest episode, let us know what you think. And if you'll make note of that quote as a comment there, uh, we might make a meme of that, you know, a little graphical element that we then share on uh, on the socials and include your name so you can get Bad Crypto famous. Real graphical elements. <laughs> Photoshop stuff. <laughs> yeah. So lots of good stuff ahead for you. And right now we're excited about this one. Let's get into our talk with Rachel Wolfson, who is the cryptocurrency beat writer for Forbes magazine online. We are upstairs in a back room at the block house where we did the bad crypto live on the what day is it? I don't even know what day it is today. It's irrelevant. The day you're listening to this is what is important. Thank you for listening. Yeah, and you're here now. And the smooth tones of Joel Com's voice. We're uh, <laughs> we're super excited because we've got to sit down with Ms. Rachel Wolfson, who is a contributing writer for Forbes magazine, Forbes Online, also for Bitcoin magazine. She is a crypto chick, and she's crypto savvy and has a lot to crypto say. So welcome to Bad Crypto, Rachel. Thank you, Joel. Thanks, Travis. We're, we're super glad you're here. And you actually, you've, you've known Travis, I think, for a little bit longer, right? Yep. I've known Travis, what, a few years, a year? So a couple, two, three years-ish. Yeah. yeah. We met at like, what, like a speakeasy place? What was at it? the Modernist. Yeah, the Modernist yeah. in San Francisco. Yeah. Such a fancy, cool place. That sounds kind of speaky. 
Yeah. Yes. And, and easy. Well, it was nice. And and we've uh, we've become acquaintances. Uh, Rachel and I have just recently uh, met at the last conference we were at, and and we meet again here at South by Southwest. You had the opportunity yesterday to uh, not only be in the audience for Bad Crypto Live, but you also came on stage and did a brief uh, crypto pitch. I did. Yep. And that was very exciting. Did you feel bad because? you know, you were finally part of the show. Hmm. I, I felt pretty good at being part of the show, although, you know, the hashtag stay bad. Yeah. Yes. And, and now it's going to be even worse because now you're our guest. Right. That is true. So let's ask you real quick, you know, how we always like to, you know, when people come on the show. We're always interested how people went down their own personal crypto rabbit hole. So maybe share a little bit with us about your journey into the cryptos. Yeah. You have your own personal like do you put that in your pocket here's my own personal crypto rabbit hole like, it's it more ma- of a vortex it makes me think of yellow submarine remember in it mm-hmm. they pull the little hole out of the pocket and put it down on the floor and they would just jump into their little portals he just jumps into my questions and and adds his own commentary a, l- a little bad flavor for you <laughs> i'll shut up now shutting up shame on joe Comp. shame on him back to you rachel yeah thanks travis so yeah my crypto journey began about a year ago So basically, before getting into crypto, I wrote a lot about big data, IoT, machine learning. And I was kind of, I kind of made a name for myself being a woman writing about tech. Someone told me an interesting story about what they're doing with blockchain technology. And I wrote about that for HuffPost. People started reading it and people, you know, started telling me more and more about their stories, started writing about it more. And I realized, wow, blockchain technology is really interesting. Initially, I was interested in blockchain. Then people started telling me about their ICOs and tokens. And, you know, then I was like, okay, yeah, crypto is pretty cool too. But initially, blockchain technology, you know, coming from this background of writing about tech, blockchain is what really caught my attention. Then cryptocurrency followed after that. And then Lambos followed and Moons and all kinds of good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's how I got um, started along my crypto journey was just basically I wrote about tech. Someone told me what they're doing with blockchain, wrote about it, and was really interested in the technology and kept writing about it. Landed myself in different publications. And now that you've tasted of the crypto and seen that it is good, this is your passion, right? You're following this topic, the subject matter more than anything else. Yeah, for sure, because I believe blockchain technology is the next wave of innovation. And this is the future and we need to write about it. We need to raise, raise awareness for those who aren't informed about what blockchain is. Can, can you think of a technology that has happened over the past few decades that is, has the potential to be more transformative than blockchain? Or do you think that, boy, this is the biggest transformation and disruption? I mean, honestly, I think blockchain is pretty disruptive. I mean, there are technologies like AI and, you know, everything is smart nowadays. That's very disruptive. But if you put the two and two together, then you've got this super like powerful technology, blockchain, AI and all of that. But blockchain is the next wave of innovation. It's here and industries from like healthcare to gaming are using blockchain to grow. And if you aren't on that bandwagon, then you better get on it because it's here. You know, our show is, is targeted towards people who are maybe trying to get get their minds wrapped around crypto and, and blockchain. So maybe how, if you were talking to somebody who's brand new, like how do you describe what blockchain is? Because to some people, it is just kind of one of those, 
I, I don't get it. So we like to maybe ask other people how they explain blockchain because that might help somebody make it finally click. Because I still don't understand it. Joel doesn't understand it. He's pretty bad. It's confusing. Yeah, well, I think, so first of all, I like to differentiate. The di- there is a difference between cryptocurrency and blockchain. So blockchain technology is what drives cryptocurrency. Like blockchain technology blew up because of Bitcoin. It's the underlying technology of Bitcoin and all these other cryptocurrencies now. The thing about blockchain is it's a distributed ledger and everything on that ledger is transparent. Um, everything is peer to peer. Basically, anything that goes on a on the blockchain is it's much faster because it's peer to peer. A number of industries are using it because it's transparent. It's um, disrupting supply chain, the industry, and it's just it's a distributed ledger. It's technology. So that's how I would explain it. But it's the underlying technology of Bitcoin and crypto. The two are related, but they're very different. I, I'm, I've yet to hear anybody explain it like on a second grade level. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to formulate the right words to be able to share with a child. This is what blockchain is. Have you? Are you aware of anybody having done that? Or is it just too dang complicated? There's got to be a way to drill it down. I mean, it's complicated. And, you know, it's complicated for me also, which is why I have a hard time answering that question. But I think you have to have somewhat of a technical background to kind of understand what blockchain is. You almost like I have to draw it out. Yeah, you can draw draw like the little blocks in the chains. Mm -hmm. Then Joel can understand if you do that. He likes pictures. I need pictures. Yeah, pretty pictures. Yeah, just think of like blockchain technology. One of the great things about it's like it eliminates middlemen. So if you're going to draw a picture, you can be like, here's Rachel. Here's the bank. Here's the company, you know, that the payment has to go through the bank. So you just then you can draw a picture. Here's Rachel and here's the company. No bank because the block over the bank. Right, right. Because blockchain makes everything, you know, peer to peer, makes it transparent. I know where the payment is coming from and all this and that because it's on the blockchain. I wonder why banks don't like crypto. (laughs) I wonder. Because they get a big red X over them. (laughs) Well, then you can't charge those exorbitant fees and you can't not pay me interest for the money that I deposit and then go use that same money so that you can make interest. Mm-hmm. It's one of those wild things. Like if I want to send money to the Philippines, which is the example I like to use, because for me, I live in Kansas City. So it's going to have to go from Kansas City to the Kansas City Fed, to the New York Fed, to the city of London, to Switzerland, to Hong Kong, and then Manila before that. And then every one of those places get the little piece of the puzzle. They get a little, they get a little fee. And so it's going to take seven days or something to get there. Or I could send some stellar lumens or some Bitcoin. And if I send stellar lumens, it'll be there in three seconds. I mean, it's unbelievable. With, with yeah. a, with a transaction fee that is. Just microscopic, microscopic transaction fees, like pennies, like not like very little. And so that's what's interesting to me is that that's why it's so disruptive is that, you know, it helps bank the unbankable. A lot of times these banks in these these developing countries, they have such exorbitant fees. And it's like if you want to send a hundred dollars back to your family and next thing you know, they took 20 percent of it in fees. And with crypto, that doesn't necessarily happen. So it, it, it sort of levels the playing field, I think, in a lot of ways, especially with crypto. So let's ask this, like, what are some of the things that you're seeing in the blockchain and the crypto space that that are, are exciting you now? Like what are, what are some of the things that you've, that you've written about or have discovered recently that are just kind of blowing your mind that you think, wow, people need to know this? Yeah, well, there's a few things. So my most recent article for Forbes was about the Berkeley ICO, and that was super exciting. 
Berkeley's ICO is different from other ICOs in that it means initial community offering. So the city of Berkeley has created a token that they're going to use to fund affordable housing. Um, People in the Berkeley community are going to buy that token with crypto, and then they're going to use that towards helping, you know, fund people who need housing. And I think that's really, really interesting that someone that, you know, a city is doing their own ICO and doing it in an innovative way to help. Mm hmm you know, people in need. And so that token, they created a certain amount of tokens and then they're distributing those tokens to the community or something. How, how, is, how does it work? Yeah. So actually I, they're going to launch it in May. The details aren't fully disclosed yet, but the plan is that there's going to be a community token. People will be able to purchase that. And then they're going to use that funding towards um, creating homes for people in Berkeley. So I think the term is gentrification whenever like rent prices start moving up and then people who lived there before kind of got are getting pushed out. Is that is that kind of what this token is, is trying to solve? Well, it's trying to solve the homeless problem in Berkeley. There's a lot of homeless people in the Bay Area and they don't have homes. So this the Berkeley ICO wants to create homes for these people that are homeless. That would be really interesting to see that. Joel and I were actually having a conversation uh, yesterday because we were driving through Austin and there was a ton of homeless people here in Austin. Yeah. And it almost seems like with, with certain ideologies in certain cities or states that are maybe sort of they have more liberal policies, it seems like there's a ton of homeless people in those areas. I've not figured out why and like what the solution is for that. So maybe this Berkeley ICO and, and maybe that can be a model that some of these different countries or cities or states can utilize to help eliminate their their homeless problem because i know i've been to oregon tons of homeless people i've been la you know san francisco austin chicago Chicago, detroit there's so many homeless people in those mostly democratic run governments and i'm like what is the what is the the tweak that needs to happen in those ideologies to ensure that a lot of people don't end up on the streets right because the 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 heart is right right we want to help people Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we don't have anybody that's going without and maybe blockchain can help be that solution. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I think the thing about blockchain and crypto is that it's very community focused. Like this is a community of people. And if we all work work together, then we can use crypto for good. We can use blockchain for good. We can solve homelessness, I believe with with blockchain and this technology. So that's a great local example. Let's uh, let's expand on it whether it's um national or global. What's another blockchain solution that really intrigues you? I think using um in the real estate space just using bitcoin to purchase homes. Some people like you were talking about the unbanked, they don't have fiat money, US dollars or any other form of currency, right? Fiat but um, they do have Bitcoin and they want to buy a home. So now there are companies, um, actually a good friend of mine has a company, Proppy. They're based in San Francisco, but I think what they're doing is you can use Bitcoin now to buy homes. And I think they have a listing in uh, the Bay Area. So people with Bitcoin and they don't, you know, people that don't have regular fiat can now buy homes. Mm. And that's, you know, that's an issue that people it's a problem. Some people can't afford homes because they don't have money. But if they have Bitcoin now, they'll be able to buy homes with Bitcoin. Like, oh my gosh! Can you believe this house we just got here in San Francisco? It was two hundred and fourteen Bitcoin. Yeah. Right. People will be talking like that. I'm going to buy mine with Dogecoin, right? With a worthless meme coin or bad coin. 
I'm gonna. Can I buy something with bad coin? Cannot. And it's, you do not have permission. It's worthless. It's not worthless. And, and also, like millennials, it's been noted that one third, although I believe it's going to be more of millennials, will own a form of cryptocurrency by the end of this year. And what are they going to do with that? You know, maybe they don't have hodl. Hodl, yeah. But it, it's great. It gives people another form of currency to use to to buy things. You know, outside of investing. Well, where do you think this is going to land? Then we know that you know in the United States, in all countries, are looking at it in their own way. But here, fifty five percent of our audience is in the the U.S. So for the other forty five percent of you, figure out what your regulation is in in your domicile. But what do you think? Uh, where does where's the government going to end up landing on crypto? Because uh, on one extreme, it could be well, they're going to outlaw it, and then you have regulation and, and then you have let it run free what do you what do you see it going i mean first of all i think it's really sad that there's there are so much regulations around this community well crypto it's, it's supposed to be unregulated and now there are so many regulations it's kind of ruining it you know what i mean stop ruining my crypto yeah i mean it's kind of like the government has kind of like you know it's it's kind of taking it the, the point away from it you know what i mean what is the point it's it's decentralized, unregulated. This is a community for people like the unbanked, for millennials that don't have fiat money. This is their community. And then you have the government putting all of these regulations, which, I mean, it's bound to happen, right? Because it's gotten so much attention, it's bound to be regulated. I just think it's really sad, but I don't think it's going to be outlawed. In fact, I think it's just going to continue growing and growing. It's just unfortunate that there are so many regulations. And now people, you know, the people that want to get quick rich and do an ICO, you know, it's good that it's regulated because for them, it's like a lot of these people are taking advantage of it. But a lot of these people just, you know, crypto is great. So that that begs an interesting question, and that's something that Travis and I allude to many times. You know, I'm I'm an adult guy, and I kind of do what I want, right? You're an overgrown child. Yeah, well, that too. I am 12 years old, but you know, it's the hormones, the hormones. Let's be real. Yeah. Well, you're 13, so in this case, I respect my elders. That's true. Um, you know, I don't need to be told. I don't need to be protected. I mean, I want to be protected from violent criminals, right? And I want to make sure that, you know, we're safe and secure and in our neighborhoods. And But I don't need somebody to tell me what I should do with my money. And I feel like regulation is the government saying, well, you know, you're not smart enough. You might, you, you might invest in something that you're going to lose your money. So we need to protect you. Uh, what do you, what do you think of that? Do you need to be protected or is it somebody else that needs to be protected? Well, me personally, I don't need to be protected. But in the case of, you know, recently this um the bank, the quote unquote bank in Dallas that was doing that major ICO and it was a huge scam. Is what it was the Arise? The, yes. Yeah. I mean, people like them, that's where the regulation is a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, good. It's regulated, you know, it, they were caught and I mean, it's just, but for people like me and, you know, it's, I, I don't want to be regulated. I don't want to be told what to do with my money, but I do think regulation is needed for instances like that. But but you will be, if they're going to regulate that, I mean, they're basically they're saying, well, guess what? We don't think you're smart enough to not fall for this scam. You're not going to do your own you're due diligence. Gonna- you're, you're, you have a baby brain. <laughs> We don't trust you with your own money. It's an interesting discussion because there are those in society that are vulnerable and you don't want anybody to be taken. But, you know, P.T. Barnum uh, said there's there's a sucker born every minute, uh, which 
they he never said in the movie that Hugh Jackman portrayed, which I loved, The Greatest Showman. Did you, did you see it? Nope. You won't see it? I, I guess I will. Yeah. After this, I'm going to go watch it. Oh, I saw part of it and then I, I fell asleep. I loved it. Saw it twice. Okay. Mr. Travis Wright, what's wrong with you? I was not it's like Hollywood producing something that's actually feel good and uplifting for a change. I was tired. <laughs> you need a nap. <laughs> I didn't watch the rest of it. But finish your point. Did I have one? I I'm think that sure. I think that was that was kind of it. It's just I find this this is a conversation. This isn't a point. This is, you know, where is this all going? Where uh, the 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 crypto movement is largely fueled by those that come from a libertarian point of view. Right. That's how this whole thing was born. Then it empowers the people. And when governments get involved, then that starts seizing the power from the people. And I'm just wondering who's responsible for their decisions. Right. I mean, that's what what I was saying, like the crypto community is kind of being it's like losing its point that it started with. Right. Because of government regulation. It's unfortunate, but it's it's bound to happen because it's gaining so much attention. Bitcoin has gained too much attention that the government is saying, "Wow, people are making a ton of money. Time to regulate. Time to tax." Yeah, and right. they haven't and they haven't fully got in there with all the regulations yet. I think they're still trying to figure out what all some of the other regulations are going to be. But what what's, what's interesting to me, I think part of the problem has been more and more of this institutional money has gotten into crypto and it's almost like how they how they've manipulated the stock markets in in the past they're kind of using those same tactics now and to sort of the price gets to a certain point and then they want to buy more and then so they something happens where they where the price drops and then they're able to buy up a whole bunch more and then you know it's like and they sort of keep them going in these loops where where, you know because in crypto some days you could be like oh my god it was a bitcoin just grew 37 percent today are you serious right you would see days like that you're like oh my god like this thing just dropped 70 percent. are you kidding me holy cow oh my god it's up 52 percent. like like that would freak people out in the in the stock markets right because it's like that's like totally like well today it's gone up point zero seven percent very exciting gains today. <laughs> well like a thousand point drop in the stock markets you know they they play it like it's catastrophic and in crypto a thousand dollars who cares yeah, yeah. When you go from, you know, 250 billion to 840 billion, back down to 375 billion, back up to 550 billion, back down to 420 billion. I mean, it's just like, I mean, the market loses 100 billion, like it's no big deal. Like before, so the crypto market seems a little different. And I think with the futures and all these other sort of mechanisms that have come into place, it seems like that type of stuff has been because. It, that didn't happen until like I think what January or whatever the the CMOE and the, those things started coming into play, or maybe it was in late December. But man, it's like there was some volatility, and then now it just it seems to be doing this like steady like roller coaster yeah, kind of. Been- Come on, where's our big crypto game? Yeah, it's been pretty steady mm-hmm. recently. So when Lambo win Moon? Do we know when? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the, no crystal ball here. Apparently, Rachel doesn't have one. Either. I wish. Yeah, I wish I did. Yeah. What do you have any personal thoughts? I mean, I know there's you know your journalistic integrity, writing for Forbes, or certain things you can and can't share. But just as a personal opinion, if you were to get the crystal ball out, where do you see Bitcoin on December thirty first, two thousand eighteen? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I know some people are you know they're big believers and they're like, oh. 100,000, you know, they've got, but I, I mean, honestly, gosh, I don't know if I should even answer this question. 
I don't see a disclaimers. Uh, she's not a financial advisor. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I don't see it reaching that point to like a hundred thousand. I don't know if it's going, if it will even reach it, what the peak was like close to 20,000 in December, 2017, Mm -hmm. but maybe it will. I don't know. We'll just, we'll have to see what happens. Um, as of now, it's been pretty steady, but it's March. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing is I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine, Mark, that I've known since third grade. And it was like, it just seems right now that the that the air has been sort of taken out of the crypto bubble right now. It's almost like because, you know, when you're sitting there looking at it, you're seeing like back in December, late December and early January, the things go they're like, whoa, like every day it was just so exciting. And now yeah. it's just kind of gone down. It's like, all right, now it's just kind of in a, in a lull moment mm-hmm. where we're like, it's like, all right, where's, where are we going to see these taken off again? Because it's fun. It's almost like maybe so maybe for now, everybody's just catching their breath. Well, remember that tweet that Bitbender did, uh, we talked about on the show last week that essentially he said, um, Bitcoin is out of the news right now. And so for people who were hearing about it when it went up to 20,000, the next thing they heard is, well, it fell down to 6,000. A lot of people probably think it's just gone away. Like Bitcoin failed mm-hmm. and they're not hearing about it in the media now. So out of sight, out of mind, Bitcoin is dead. Yeah. I mean, it's been, yeah, I agree. Out of sight, out of mind. Because in December and in January, it was super exciting. And I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for it to get exciting again so I can write something exciting about mm-hmm. Bitcoin. That's, that's why you uh, interviewed us for Forbes. Yeah, exactly. because we make crypto exciting again. And hilarious. Bitcoin <laughs> is funny. Again. Again. It was actually Bitcoin is funny, period, because it was never funny before. Bitcoin is finally funny. Well, you no, know, it was funny that somebody paid 10000 Bitcoin for two Papa John's pizzas. That was funny. That was pretty funny. Not for that guy. Right. Well, I'm pretty sure that he would have had a ton more than just to that. You know, it's like, I'm pretty sure Mr. Laszlo or whatever his name is, he's good to go. But I wonder what's funnier, that or like someone, you know, who had Bitcoin and they, you know, the computer got stolen or something. Mm-hmm. Or like how I threw mine away. <laughs> yeah, he lost <laughs> like 55. Like what's funnier, like Papa John pizzas or that? Yeah. What's funnier, oh. the fact that I had 55 Bitcoin on some random laptop in some landfill now? That's pretty funny. Yeah. Let's laugh at Travis. I think that's more funny than the Papa John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's cold. This is good. <laughs> no, no, Travis. No, I but if, if you now. think about it, if you Sad. really think Hot about like... I'd rather be eating pizza with my Bitcoin than nothing with my Bitcoin. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> You'd have to savor this interview. Every bite. <laughs> You'd have to savor every bite of that pizza. Could you just see like taking this little bitty nibble? Good, you know, yeah. That pizza's been in the fridge for three weeks. I don't care. I'm going to enjoy it. It's better would, than yeah. losing your Bitcoin. Yeah. I would have kept a slice of that Thanks pizza. Thanks a lot, Rachel Wolf. I'm so sorry, Trump. Oh, bad joke, Rachel. Any, Stay any, bad. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Um, we just hashtag that. Boom. Uh, anything else you'd like to share with the bad crypto audience? No, not really. I mean, what I'm really interested in now actually is the gaming and crypto space. I think there's a lot of similarities between the two. And I think that gamers really understand this space because of the whole, you know, dating back to the world of Warcraft days when they realized that they could sell these virtual assets for profit. And, you know, it's similar to the crypto space. You've got virtual assets like Bitcoin and you can make a profit off of it. And that's why gamers get it. So I'm excited about that. I just wrote a great piece for the Merkle on BitGuild. Um, They're a really awesome blockchain gaming platform. And uh, the CEO of that company told me that blockchain games are the next 
jo- big genre for the gaming industry. Mm-hmm. So I think that's cool. Um, that's what I'm excited about gaming, blockchain, and crypto. Awesome. Are, were, yeah. are you a gamer by any chance? I'm not a gamer. Um, I used to play video games when I was younger, but I haven't played lately. Um, I like video games. But well, you I mentioned World of Warcraft. I thought maybe you... Oh, yeah, because, yeah, yeah I, it's the article is fresh in my mind in the interview with the CEO. So he said World of Warcraft. Yeah. I might have played it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I used to play lots of video games, too, and then I did not because I realized video games take up too much of my time and I get nothing really important done. He wants to have a life instead. For me, it's a it's a decompression. You know, yeah. I love to go and, and, and shoot cartoon thingies. Mario Kart is fun, too. Yeah. I really yeah. think I want to get a VR headset, though, here soon, like a real one now that they're getting pretty yeah. solid. Like, is there is there a next level you know vr headset coming out or what well, the vive is probably the, i have the oculus rift um but the vive is room scale lets you walk around in fact when i was uh, i gave my talk at renault out in their innovation lab in uh Sam, in the bay area they put a vr headset on me and i walked all the way around uh one of their cars you know that's sitting there on the uh, on the racetrack and then they're like okay now you're gonna sit and they're gonna slip a stool behind me and i kind of sat down now i'm in this car oh wow and that was all using the vibe so my next one is probably going to be a vibe kathy hackle if you're listening i'm talking to you hashtag kathy hackle hashtag give get me a vibe Very cool. Well, we want to say thank you so much for the opportunity to sit down with you, and uh, thank you so much for the great article that you that you wrote about us on Forbes. Yeah, really appreciate yeah, that. Of we, or will write. I, don't I haven't read it yet. Yeah. She, <laughs> she may change her yet. mind. She may not. No, no, like, no, I no. hate those guys. Not cha- No, I mean, I just think you, you guys make Bitcoin funny, and everyone has to know about that. Blockchain, Bitcoin, crypto, hilarious. Boom. Rachel Wilson, Forbes magazine. Uh, see her stuff there online. Do you have a, a Twitter or a LinkedIn that you'd like to tell people to connect I do, with yeah. So feel free to find me on Twitter. My name is, my handle is at Rachel Wolf 0 And then we can also connect on LinkedIn, Rachel Wolfson. At Rachel Wolf 0 Oh! At Crypto Inbox. You got mail. All right, Andy Pappas writes in via our fancy contact form on the top of our website. I don't have a question, just a comment. I wanted to thank you both for the podcast. I found out about it in December and started listening uh, around episode 55 or so. After listening to some of the podcasts, a suggestion was made to listen to number one, which I did. I am now on podcast number 30. I was blown away when you guys did On the Road episode. On the road again. Don't just can't wait to get on the road again with Travis and Joel. Uh, I did not realize you were internet marketing uh, experts. Uh, I really wanted to learn more about internet marketing, but having a full-time job, UPS, it is hard. Once again, keep up the great work uh, you guys are doing, and I will be listening. Thank you, Andy. Great stuff. Namaste, Andy. Namaste. I'm putting my hands together. You know, it's, there's a lot of people that out of nowhere, right? They started saying namaste and, you know, call it whatever you want. But I just, every time I hear that, I think of like uh, this old Japanese woman telling people to get out of her house. Namaste. Get out. No, I, I think, I think it's like, nah, namaste in bed. I'm not going to yeah, 
I'm a uh, Zach has written us also via that fancy contact form. Hey, Joel and Travis, exclamation point. He's very excitable. I was recommended Bad Crypto about a month ago, and I have since unfriended that. Per- no, and have been working my way through your shows, starting from the beginning and then listening to the newest podcast once it's released in order to stay up to date. Great info, really entertaining. I was wondering if you could share your thoughts on the changing landscape of exchanges and crypto apps. Robinhood recently said they're releasing a fee-less crypto market to their stock trading platform and Bitrix added USD. Seems like a good move for adoption, but it looks like it will remove the currency aspect from cryptocurrency. Crypto looks to be more like stock option than something that you would actually use to buy things with now. And isn't that defeating the original purpose of crypto? Uh, He's right that there are more options now for um, for exchanges, which I think is all a positive sign because it needs to become easier for people to uh, to trade. But I don't know that it affects the intent of those companies any more than trading stock, you know, changes the the intent of those companies to do what, you know, they say they're going to do. What mm-hmm. good is the coin if it isn't used? Right. And again, you know, Robinhood releasing a fee-less crypto market, Bitrix adding USD. These are all good things that are going to advance mainstream usage, right? That's the intended. Uh, we want people to use it more. And, you know, with and there's a piece of news that we're going to talk about, uh, about Bitcoin and their fees, what's been happening with that here recently, and also with Litecoin and all this other stuff. So, you know, I think some of those those main three coins you know, those are starting to be used way more. I think some of these altcoins, some of the, uh, you know, the, the coins that have gone through ICOs, some of those are are having some challenge with adoption, but a lot of those technologies aren't even fully baked yet. So I think in my estimation, I would look at it and say, this seems like a good thing because feelless, <laughs> me likey feelless. And uh, I like the fact that Bitrix is adding USD as well. And you know what? Mainstream usage is what we're looking for. We're looking for mass adoption. So these are a couple of things that could move us towards that. Yeah, and if it could all happen by Christmas, then we'll have a Feliz Navidad. Wow. <laughs> all right. I, I might not crack anybody else up, but I make me laugh, and that's all that, that matters. That was good. All right, and uh, Jan uh, Sheppens wrote in, sometimes it's hard to keep the emotions under control when you see your portfolio plummeting like crazy. So why not ask an honest questions on their emotions instead? What is your opinion on the phenomenon? Stay bad. Get it's, get a handle on your emotions. That's, you know, I mean, if if your emotions are driven by your portfolio, then I think uh, your focus is in the wrong place, in my humble, incorrect opinion. Yeah, you know what? I mean, emotional intelligence is something that should be taught in school, and it's not. You know, we talk about your IQ, but we rarely talk about the EQ. And EQ is really that sort of street smarts thing that allows you to be more successful in life. There's a lot of a lot of people who have gone to school and have not had great IQ, but have had phenomenal EQ and have been, you know, top entrepreneurs. In, 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 uh, and so I would say this, you know, as Joel mentioned, if you if emotions are what you make your decisions on, you're going to have a challenge in life more so than just your crypto portfolio, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's not about your hurt fee-fees. And a lot of times, you know, people, oh my, you hurt my feelings. In in some countries right now, you hurt your feelings. That's that's now hate speech. Oh my God, you hurt my feelings. That's hate speech. Where are we going in a civilization where where somebody can get their feelings hurt and that's a crime? So I think there's you got to draw a line. 
Uh, I do think that you need to, you know, you have to not invest more than you can risk losing. I think if your emotions are getting into it too heavily, it's probably because maybe you're, you've over leveraged yourself and you're like, oh my God, the crypto's going down and I can't afford to lose this. I'm going to lose everything. Well, then you should not even be in crypto in the first place, right? You shouldn't have invested in Beconnect, which by the way, uh, let's do a quick crypto check on that just because I do like to to check in. And there are class action lawsuits that are starting to happen in that. It is $1.36 now. Uh, so it continues to crumble. And I'm sure the faithful continue to to hold on. But, uh, you know, from an all time high of like four hundred and thirty dollars down to a buck thirty six. Not good. Ooh, ooh, looks like a good time to buy. <laughs> no, <laughs> we are not financial advisors and we are definitely not recommending that anybody buy any. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? Not Bitconnect. Bitconnect is down. Bad Ritual voicemail. You have one new message. Hey, how's it going? Like, listen, I freaking love your podcast. Um, I'm from Durban, South Africa. My name is Luke. And you guys honestly have the kiffest podcast on crypto. Well, it is bad, I won't lie. I mean, it's pretty thin on information. Your jokes are pretty terrible. But I have to say, you guys both have fantastic faces for radio. Um, so you guys look great while you're doing the show. So just keep it up, boys. Keep it up. It works excellent. Love what you do. And uh, keep on keeping on. Mr. Travis Wright, the big G is now working on its own blockchain-related tech, according to Bloomberg.com. Alphabet is working on a distributed ledger. Yes, the Googles is uh, jumping onto the blockchain. Now, Google is about as centralized as it gets, right? And so they might be creating a distributed, distributed digital ledger that third parties can use to post and verify transactions. But quite frankly... Google getting into blockchain, I could care less because they're the most centralized, most censoring, most big brother organization that we have out there aside from Facebook, right? So Facebook and Google, super big brothery. And I really don't, I've lost most of my love that I've had for both of those platforms really when I've been watching what they've been doing. And if anybody with a brain has been paying attention to what Google and Facebook has been doing over these past few months, it's, 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 infuriating. So I could care less if they create the best blockchain project in the history of the world. I I don't really have much love for them, Mr. Joel Combs. So why are we reporting on this? <laughs> well, because it is news. Good call. Good it, call it is, well, because it is news. And the fact that, you know, th- this mega giant, be they perhaps evil, is working on a, um, a blockchain of their own, it, it is going to be relevant, especially to those that are in um, cloud storage, because that's what the technology is being developed for, is to support their, their cloud business. And it's going to be used for third parties to post and verify transactions. We really don't know too much about it. Uh, we don't know about the timing, but they're trying to stand apart from their rivals. And they're going to provide a white label version that other companies can run on their own servers. So the, the better to snoop on you, dear Right. The better to snoop on you. Yeah. And there's a great graphic in this article on Bloomberg about global blockchain spending from some of the large enterprise businesses. IBM's, you know, 32 percent of the global blockchain spending is from IBM. Microsoft, 19 percent. Accenture, 17 percent. And now Google's getting in on it. And you know what? I would say that 
the more that these larger businesses are understanding and utilizing blockchain technology, the better adoption of this technology will be moving forward because it's becoming more common for people. People are understanding it. People are hearing it more often, and it's not as scary as it used to be. You know, remember just a short time ago how high the Bitcoin transaction fees were? They were so high, Mr. Joker. And slow. It was it was high and slow. But, you know, SegWit is being implemented. 2X is being implemented across the blockchain. Lightning is being implemented. And this story on altcointoday.com says you can send $10,000 now for one cent. Bitcoin transaction fees hit unfairly cheap levels. Unfairly cheap. That's I need to pay more unfairly. than that. That's unfair. This is not right, you guys. But remember... Back in uh, December, when when Bitcoin was near twenty grand, there was so many transactions in the blockchain that was just clogged. You know, there was times there was two hundred, three hundred thousand transactions in the queue on Bitcoin, and we were sitting at an average transaction fee of around fifty five dollars. And so, whenever, and even if you were spending smaller amounts, I mean, the fees were still pretty high. And so, that was a problem whenever we had this huge surge of new users that were coming in. Bitcoin was trying to scale and Bitcoin was at an all-time high. The 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 hype cycle was at a, the all-time high and then those long transaction fees and then you had Bcash and Roger Ver talking about Bcash and all of this and that and that, that was just a crazy time. So, but right now really really low fees. Now, I don't know if that isn't also in combination due to there are less people transacting right now in Bitcoin because we don't have that surge of users that, you know, people right. are holding because the price is lower. Yeah, so volume is definitely down. There's no question about that. Volume is down significantly. So that could be contributing to it. Uh, SegWit is now responsible for between 30 to 35% of all transactions. So about a third of them. And it could mean that there's uh, more merchants that, you know, will start taking this because the fees are lower. So, uh, you know, mm -hmm. who knows? Maybe people will start buying pizzas again with Bitcoin for the first Mr. time. Mr. Joe Com, Mr. Joe Com, Blocktivity.info. And right now, there is um, Blocktivity. Bitcoin is using 36% of its uh, total um, total blockchain capacity right now. So that's great. And right now, over the past seven days, there's been about 150,000 transactions. The all-time record was about 500 transactions in a day. Hmm. So... There you have it. Well, here's one more story we'll cover, and this is from a security site. A 15-year-old has found a flaw in the Ledger wallet, uh, which is supposed to be uh, completely secure. Uh, I've got a Ledger Nano S. I believe you have one as well, and a Trezor. But he, this kid, uh, his name is Salim Rashid, 15-year-old security researcher in the UK, discovered a way to acquire the private keys from ledger devices. Hmm. Yeah, that's not that's not fancy. You know, there's there's been a challenge with that. I mean, there's a lot of people who put a lot of trust in their devices. And, you know, I have a Trezor that I use mostly, and I know you have a Trezor as well. I never got a, a, a Ledger Nano S just because, you know, I, I I felt a presence in the force, Mr. Joel Comp, to not trust that one because if 15-year-old quote unquote security researchers 15-year-old security researchers, that's, you know, that's that's great. Basically, he's just like, I'm a 15-year-old hacker. He, ha he hacked yeah. me. Yeah, so who knows, man? You know? Maybe the that's trees why, isn't so safe. 
Who knows? Maybe the Tracer's not so safe. Who knows? Yeah, so uh, maybe take all your cryptos, write them on a piece of paper, and bury it in your yard. It's not a safe I world. I mean, there's there's just there's no guarantees. And, uh, you know, I kind of like that people are trying to break the stuff, right? That's how they, um, they know that they need to put out a new firmware update, which they are rolling out as we speak, if it's not already done, and to fix this issue. So I'm, I'm glad that people try to hack it. I just don't want them to hack my stuff. Or getting in my cryptos, because then I'd be sad. White hat hackers are good because they look for vulnerabilities, but they don't go in and do the damage. The black hat hackers are the ones that uh, are nefarious and are actually trying to steal all your things. The snidely whiplashes of the crypto world. They're no good. They're no good. Snidely whiplash. What is that? That's a, uh, that is a bullwinkle? Rocky and bullwinkle? Yeah, snidely whiplash. Uh huh. Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a Bitcoin out of my hat. (laughs) It will never work. Nothing up my sleeve. Presto. Oh, it must have been the other. Hat. Oh, my God. Very nice. Very nice. Well, there you go. That's all we got. Hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Number one oh to the four. And uh, be sure to check out uh, Rachel's stuff on Forbes because she writes about cryptos all the time. Links in the show notes. We welcome your comments and we welcome uh, your copious amounts of crypto donations. Just look at the show notes and you'll see a wallet where you can send us whatever coins you want. We take all the coins. Copious amounts. Now, I tell you what, this podcast right here was extra special. You got a rap. You got an interview with Forbes Crypto Chick. You got a Rocky and Bullwinkle reference. You got us insulting Google. I mean, what else do you need in a podcast, Mr. Joel? Your life is complete. All you need now is to stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.